Alright, well, welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. <laughs> As you may hear, Brian is on a phone line. And I don't know if you can tell, but Brian is a little bit under the weather. Is that right, buddy? I, um, you know, I just got fired up for the birds, I think. And, um, it took it all out of me. Um, so we have a big pod to <laughs> So Brian is unable to join us for the pod today, us being I. Um, so yeah, explain how you're feeling. Just give everyone the full debrief. Um, well, I ate, I ate some bad chicken wings, I think is the, is the short story. Um, and then the long story is the battle that I had against my own, you know, willpower, um, to not just kill myself in the bathroom this morning. So, <laughs> so I won, I survived for now, <laughs> but but yeah, I'm just, I don't want to go over to your house and infect the place because, you know, I don't want germs over there. Yeah, I know. And I appreciate that. And that's a uh, very considerate of you. So yeah. So what should I ask? What should I ask net income when he comes on? Cause that's, what's going to be happening after I hang up with you. What's the one burning question we should find out from him? Oh, um, you should talk to him about, you know, I don't know if you guys know the, but, but the trade deadline is coming up. You should talk a little <laughs> bit about to get traded. By the way, just to let you know, I Instagram chatted uh, Rondé House Jefferson again to try to get him to come on because I know he's an Eagles fan. So I was like just shamelessly DMing him on Instagram and be like, hey, man, why don't you come on the pod? But I haven't heard back from him. So I'll let you know how that develops. Um, is this you calling the, the glue army in the, in the Internet to, to go after him? I think the, the glommy, the glarmy, uh, maybe... Ooh. I don't know. I don't know if we're ready to unleash them fully, completely yet. Um, they first need to step up and get us a new intro. I think we still need some submissions for that before we do the the full big episode. Um, but we're getting to the point where the Glow Army may have to be unleashed to get Rondé House Jefferson or someone like that on the pod. Tight. Tight. All right, buddy. Well, thank you for calling into the pod. No, hey, good good luck with everything. I you know, I'm sorry that um I was uh I was not discerning enough, you know, with what I was putting into my face and and, and it burned me. It feels no. selfish, if I can be honest, if we can air this out, because we're not we're not two singular items or people. We are a unit, Brian. Um it's not glue guy, it is glue guys. Um, yeah. you don't have two guys, a girl in a pizza place without two men and you uh, <laughs> you selfishly ate a tainted wing. I knew, I knew it was going to come back to cable television somehow. <laughs> that was an ABC show, so that was um, <laughs> that was broadcast television, the glory days. My bad. Um, all right, buddy. Well, I'll talk to you. I'll let you know how the interview goes and get better. Thanks. I'm going to be listening. All right. I'll talk to you. Everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, well, coming up, we'll have Net Income on to talk trade deadline. It'll be just him and I, little mano y mano. We'll kind of be going through exactly what the Nets maybe are looking at, what teams are calling about with the Nets. Uh, the trade deadline is fast approaching. The countdown has begun. But first, a word from our sponsors. All right, well, joining us today ahead of the trade deadline is Net Income from NetsDaily.com, Bob Wintram. Bob, thank you so much for joining me today. It's good to be here. This is an important day. This is uh, this is what people kind of want to dig into right before the trade deadline. Um, 
but I kind of want to start a little bit before the trade deadline and kind of go big picture and then kind of go into what we think may happen here. Um, mm-hmm. We are more than halfway through the season. Um, from your impression, from what you know and from what you may think, how do you think Nets management and Marks consider this season so far as whether it is a success or it is about what was expected so far this year? I think if you take into account the injuries, um, it's probably where they want, where they thought they would be, um, you know, minus some, minus some losses caused by having so many people down for so long. Um, they're, you know, they've said and then they continue to say that the goal for the season was improvement. And certainly individually, at the very least, you can see that. Um, Atkinson talked about that today, as a matter of fact, in his interview with the with the website, you know, citing individual improvement. Um, I think that, you know, in their case, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for a certain progress point, certain miles they can point to and say, we've got here. Um, and we still have a long, long way to go, which is a quote directly from, from Marks from a recent interview. Um, but, you know, in terms of looking at people like Dinwiddie or Harris or Levert and particularly Allen, um, you know, they've got to think pretty positively about this. I would say the most disappointing player because of salary is Alan Crabb. Your impression of him so far this year and do you think there's kind of worry that maybe he isn't going to be more than what he was in Portland? Well, he isn't even what he was in Portland, and I think that's the problem, because in Portland he was a reliable 40% three-point shooter, and he's 35%. And he's, he doesn't look particularly you know, great doing it. Um, they're paying him 19-3 this year. The next two years, it's 18-5 each year. I mean, you can make the argument, as I have, that, you know, uh, Andrew Nicholson would have made seven in each one of those years. So the net is about $12 million. But still, I mean, this is a guy who they have twice believed was undervalued. Once when they gave him the offer sheet and once when they traded for him. And now, if you look at it, you have to think, you may very well have been overvalued, and what are you going to do about it? I believe that they still have faith. Um, and again, they have three more years or two and a half more years to go on this deal. And they're probably not going to be able to move him. And he is only 25. But it's, it's, a difficult, it's a difficult situation. There's no doubt of that. Moving on to the trade deadline. We have a couple of names that I think we know that other teams may want. Um, we have names that maybe the Nets are willing to move. Who do you think the Nets are most getting calls about? Which player is most in trade discussions when Mark talks to other GMs? Well, other than Levert, when they say thank you, bye. Um, <laughs> uh, I think the I think it's Dinwiddie. I mean, Dinwiddie is is, is doing cases that the biggest bargain in the NBA. I mean, this is a guy who's who next year isn't even guaranteed two hundred fifty thousand um, dollars. Literally. Um, you know, he doesn't get that money until he makes the team in, in October. Um, so I think the key thing here is that, that you look at Dinwiddie and you say, this is a starting point guard who has a certain level of skills, is 24 years old, and is a total bargain. Um, 
and he would have to be at the top of the list. Um, again, after you know, looking at the the untouchables, which I think is no more than Levert, Allen, and Russell, he'd be the first name that anybody could talk about legitimately. So obviously, we don't know what Marks would move him for, but do you think Marks is listening at, le- at least, at least thinking about? Dinwiddie, because it's a sensitive subject, right, for Nets fans. We've seen this guy go from someone who we were angry that they cut Yogi Ferrell for, and now he is one of the f- most favorited Nets. Is this someone Marks is actually would have some consideration for if he got a, a pretty good trade offer, obviously? It'd have to have some value, but do you think he would move him? I think he has to look at it, and I think he has to look at it for a number of reasons. One, of course, is value, what he can get back. But the other thing is, you know, Assume that Jeremy Lin is as new and improved and faster and quicker and all things that Lin said the other day. Then you start adding up the you know the the other players on the roster who can play that position, and that list becomes long and difficult to manage. Um, Lin, <coughs> Russell, Lavert, um, Dinwiddie. I mean, where do you fit all these guys next year? You're going to have to do something, and that's not, that doesn't even take into account you know people people like Whitehead or people like Milton Doyle, who they see as a rotation player you know, down the line. I mean, he has to look at, he has to look at that. Um, and I think it's, it's depending on what the offer is um, and how broad the offer is. I mean, is it just picks or is it something else that, that he has to take into consideration? It's a very unbalanced roster at the, at the end of the day, it's very unbalanced. And then the other big name that we get so much about is obviously Joe Harris. I mean, it's odd because he's he's someone who has really matured under Atkinson. And then you put him expiring contract, cheap contract, three point shooter, fits perfectly on any playoff team. Um, where do you think their mindset is, in, in your opinion? Of is he a guy that they're holding on to to hopefully then sign to a longer term deal, or do you th- do you think if you made a prediction? that he would be moved by the deadline. You know, I look at him and I look at what they did with the, um, with the trade for Okafor in which they brought in Stauskas. And in the back of my mind, I wondered if Stauskas, Joe Harris, replacement insurance, um, is he the warranty on Joe Harris? Um, and I think that, I think that the possibilities here are that, you know, it's a strong possibility. I think that they'd move him. But, you know, Woj said today on the Zach Lowe podcast that he thought the Nets could, quote, maybe get a second rounder, unquote. I think if maybe a second rounder was the price, then Nets fans would say, you know what? Let's just see if we can keep him in free agency at a decent at a decent number um, because he's worth it. And the other thing about him, and I think that, you know, I think this is something that we have to consider in a lot of these guys' cases is, these guys are not static. These guys are improving. These guys have, have improved dramatically over the last couple of years. And, you know, they're young enough so that they haven't peaked yet. So, you know, is the other thing that, that Woj said, are, if you get a middle, mid-round first for Dinwiddie, is he going to be better than Dinwiddie? Probably not. Um, and I think that, you know, the other issue. Um, now, where's the value here? 
mean, this looks like a good draft. It's not as good as last year's, but it also the word is that it's kind of top-heavy. Um, that once you get past 10 or 15, it drops off. Um, and it may be, you know, you may have some people in the second round who are decent, but you're not going to, you know, you're not going to get the kind of players that you were getting in the teens last year. Uh, so I think if you look at, if you look at their situation, um, it depends on what they get. Um, and if they decide they don't want anything and they don't have to, and they don't have to with a number of players because everybody's on a rookie deal or a short-term deal, except for Harris, through next year. Have that? They can hedge that. They have a little, they have a little time there um, to consider, um, and they should have some cap space next year to uh, to play with. Um, do I think he's going to go? I don't know. Do I think that there's going to be serious discussions? Yes. Um, but again, am I going to give him up for a second rounder, a guy who's played that well? And, you know, and then this league shooters do get paid increasingly. Um, and he's not just a three puncher. He's now somebody who can, who can hit, you know, who can hit from a number of places. I saw a stat on, on, yes, I guess it was, uh, you know, yesterday, that pointed out that if you take away corner jump shots, corner threes, he's second in the league, um, in, in you know in, in three point percentage around around the three point line, around the arc, not counting the corners. In all of those things are very positive in terms of his value. And if if the if his word says the price tag is, quote, maybe a second rounder, forget it. What do you think? So you mentioned earlier about Levert and that team's call about him. I don't know if people know that as much, right? I don't know if people realize that Levert is as valued in the league as what oh, you, yeah. what oh, you yeah. maybe What's your impression of that? Last year, before the draft, they got a number of calls for him. And somebody almost told me what they were, what it was, but then pulled back. But there apparently was a team that was looking at Levert and thought, and, you know, in a part of a larger deal, they could offer, you know, a lottery pick. Um, and if that's correct, um, that'll give you an indication of how high people think. And, and I've just been told that this year as well, which is, you know, it's a very, he's very, very highly valued for what his potential is. And again, where do you fit in? Um, what are they going to do? I mean, you have a, you have this, which is you know Atkinson's will say a holistic problem to have, and it is. but at some point you actually have to divide those minutes up. And I'm not sure how that's going to work. A lot of that depends on you know where Jeremy is come October. But at the other hand, at some point, and this may be the point. Um, or the or the draft may be the point. You have to start thinking of how am I going to do this? Um, do I think they would move him? Absolutely not. Um, do I think they would listen? Sure they would. Because one of the things you do at this point in, in, in the year is you try to gauge just what the value of these players are, not necessarily trade them, but just to see you know, how, you know, how other GMs, how other GMs rate your guys. Um, and, you know, they can say all they want. Well, he's a great player. But if you start getting into discussions, 
Um, then the then the rubber hits the road, and you have a good sense of you know where these guys stand. Uh, and they think so. Yeah, they would. They talk about the birch. Yeah, more likely at the draft than now. Um, but I think they'll talk about you know almost anybody. But I was told that. You know, the, the first name that comes up is Levert's, and then someone will say, all right, let's move on, um, and let's get, let's get real. Um, but, you know, Marx is a smart guy, um, and as long as he doesn't take any phone calls from the 617 area code, I think <laughs> they'll be fine. And I, I wonder how, even internally, they, I don't, I'm sure they don't have a player rankings of their own, but... Where they would put Levert compared to Dinwiddie compared to Russell uh, in terms of future, right? Because um, Russell would traditionally have been the highest valued player, former second or third overall pick, and you know he's done a lot. Twenty-one of his, years old. Twenty-one yeah. years old, averaged before he got hurt twenty-five and five. I have a sense that Levert, because of his size, um, what he's showed since D'Angelo was out. I would have to think he's moved, if not above D'Angelo, sort of like on the plane that D'Angelo is on, and then everyone else is below that. Yeah, I, I don't know if they do any internal ratings, except in their minds. Um, uh, it's probably not a wise move to put it down on paper um, or online. Um, but, you know, I think that that's... I think that you're probably right that... They see them as near co-equals in terms of in terms of the future, um, and I think that as a result of that, you know, they think they have a core, and they can. And you have a core, and remember, you'll have Levert for two more years under contract. You'll have after this year, and you'll have uh, D'Angelo for another year after this year. That gives them a certain comfort level. And it, again, it permits them to hedge on other things. Um, so, you know, we shall see. But I, I think that if you're looking to build things, then you're looking at those two guys as two building blocks. You can, you can be safely assured will produce at the level that you want. Right. And to a certain degree, I think Alan fits into that as well because he just dramatically improves like almost every game it's shocking let's kind of like put ourselves in the mindset of we wake up we like we want to be waking up because the trade deadline's midday right i think it's it's not at midnight from what i remember um but no it's three o'clock in the afternoon eastern time thursday right yeah. and, and everyone has to get their their deals in ahead of, at that moment or ahead of time so let's say we're right, sitting right. we're sitting in front of our computer at netsdaily.com at 4 p.m., and we're thinking, what are we going to be seeing? What's the headline that's going to be on Nets Daily? Is it no one moves, which is a boring story, or is it some move? Is there? Do you think ultimately Marks will make some move, even if it's minor, whether it's taking on a smaller contract or if it's something major, uh, flipping Damari for someone? Uh, maybe it's even bigger than that. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie trade. Where where along that spectrum do you think ultimately we're going to end up? Well, let me start with you know, some historical background. He has made, Marx has made eight trades since he started. Minor ones like moving up to get Isaiah Whitehead. Major ones like, like you know, Lopez for 
Lopez for Russell and Mozgov. Um, of those eight trades, he's he's gotten back seven draft picks, three first rounders, one of which has not yet been used, and four second rounders, two of which have not been used. So I think that the, the pattern says, yes, he's going to do something. The pattern also says he's still acquiring assets and he's still trying to get draft picks. Um, because remember, you know, even though, you know, they don't have, if they don't have something this year, they didn't have their own. Now they have their own. They didn't have a second rounder for next year. Now they have one. Um, and next year they have their own and now the first and they, you know, got second as well. Um, so I think that you're probably going to see something. I, I, I don't want to predict, but. Yeah, I think that you're probably going to see something mid-level. I don't think you're going to see some total revamp. I think you're going to see, uh, you know, a new asset, or probably a, maybe a pick, maybe two picks. Um, at the end of the day, who goes? You know, there's a wide variety of people. I mean, is anybody going to be interested in Rondé? Um, you know, I mean. Is that a possibility? Uh, he may be more valuable to the Nets than he is to anybody else because he's in that unique position. But on the other hand, you know, he's 23. He has the second lowest. He has the second lowest salary on the team. Only only Isaiah Whitehead has a lower salary than him. So you know, it could be a lot of different things that we're not thinking about. Um, and again, did anybody think they were going to trade Darius Young? No. Kenny said, Kenny said, here's my guy at his first press conference. And a few weeks later, he wasn't anybody's guy. He was, in, he was Indiana's guy. Um, and they got a pick for him. You know, the same thing with Lopez. Um, you know, and, you know, big things, small things. Um, but I do think they're still in what you can call either gathering assets or talent acquisition mode. And I still believe that they want, they want more picks. I, uh, it's, it's just it's the way that you it's the way that you build and it's the way that's been denied to them and now they have an, and now they have an opportunity and I still think that's the way they go um, but if you do say you did trade Carol and you didn't get back you know somebody who's a veteran um, you're probably going to have a difficult time for the rest of the year is that a consideration not much and Cleveland obviously would would be extremely happy. I mean, so that's what's interesting is the Nets are going on a mini slide here um, as we're heading into the trade deadline, and that matters greatly because the Nets are in a position. I think they're one game above the Suns, and the Suns are in the fifth lottery slot. So there's a lot of movement. There's a lot of teams right there. Um, so not only do, obviously the Nets impact on themselves, but the Nets impact on the rest of the league because if the Nets pick gets worse. Uh, Cleveland can then maybe actually make a huge move as opposed to not move it at all, but we don't know. Depending on what they see happening, yeah. And the other thing in the pattern, by the way, he's only had one trade deadline to work with, Marks, but he's had a couple of he's had a couple of uh, drafts, and what we saw is that the big deals don't get done until, if not the last minute, then the last twenty four hours. Um, the big deal that got them the pick that became Jared Allen from uh, Washington, 
Um, that was the day before the draft. That was the Wednesday. He also did a small deal on Thursday, you know, buying the rights to uh, to KJ McDaniel's. Um, he's made a number of draft night moves. Um, so you know, you're we're probably going to we're probably going to be sitting you know by the computer right up till three o'clock. Um, and I think that that's you know, I, I, I think that what you're going to see is a late move. I also should mention that the way they timed the trade with Philly, with Okafor and Stauskas, they are eligible um, to be traded on Wednesday. I'm not saying they will be. I don't think that, certainly I don't think that Okafor will be because he doesn't have that much value yet, and they are still excited about him. But I think that, you know, one of the things that's interesting to me is Everybody is eligible. All 17 players can be moved. Um, and I think that that is something that, you know, that he wants that flexibility and he, you know, he'll probably, he'll probably, you know, sit around and talk to people up until the last minute. Um, he doesn't have a trade deal to worry about. He doesn't have to worry about whether Kevin Garnett can operate the fax machine. <laughs> His weight which is what happened. Um, but it, it's, it's a pretty open, it's pretty open. And, you know, he doesn't have, he only has one, he has two big contracts, Jeremy's 12 and uh, 12 million and, um, and uh, Demari's 14 million. Um, but then he's got a lot of small contracts that are high, you know, much more valuable than they would appear to be. Um, so he's, he's got some flexibility and with that flexibility, I think you're going to see a lot of, a lot of interest. Um, and I think you'll see, I think if, if there is something and I fully expect there will be, it'll be late. I don't expect to see something this afternoon. I have no idea of that. Um, it could be, but I, knowing the way he operates, I think you'll you won't see anything until, um, until, you know, near the end, um, you know, sometime in the early afternoon on Thursday or, you know, on Wednesday. But, you know, I don't think you'll see anything at the beginning of the week. Well, and even more of a reason to be eyes glued to NetsDaily.com and the Twitter feed, of course, because we're going to be on it. And, you know, it's, as you say, a lot of action from Marks happens at the last possible moment. So it could be interesting. It could be that that magical Woj bomb that comes out of the sky at 2.55 that says Nets have done this, and uh, we'll be looking for that. Uh, Bob Windrum, Net Income, thank you so much for joining me. Good to be here, and, uh, you know, and I hope on Thursday we, uh, you know, we break our record of uh, 215,000 page views, which goes back to Dwight Howard Day. Oh, wow. Dwight Howard Day? The, Dwight Howard Day. The bus? Our, Dwight Howard and Gerald Wallace. That was a huge day in the... Uh, in the sites, in the sites history, two hundred and fifteen thousand uh, page views. Last year was our second. Uh, the deadline was our second with two hundred with one five thousand, I think. Um, so yeah, it's a big day for us. There we go. All right. Well, thank you, Bob. I really appreciate it. Sure thing. Thank you. Bye bye. Right. And that was Bob Windrum, net income from netsdaily.com. Again, Brian not here because of a tainted wing he ate while watching the Super Bowl. Wish him all the best. Please tweet him your well wishes at BK Glue Guys or email him netspod at gmail.com. 
give Brian a lift up because he really needs it. He's feeling down. He wanted to be here for this interview. This is the first time, I think, in in our history that we've not been together doing the pod. This is the first time. Um, so give him your well wishes. Pick him up because we're going to need him with the trade deadline approaching. So again, we'll be tweeting out instant analysis of the trade deadline as we continue. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back after the trade deadline, or if news breaks, we'll be back with you right here on your podcast feed. Yeah, boy. Yeah.